Hi, I'm Rami. And I'm Shannon. And this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read or learned to help all of us expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. And Rami, this time we're talking about, man, I even already forgot her name, Nora Efron. Ef- Efron? Okay, I was like, yeah. is she related to Zach Efron? No. Okay. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Nora Efron. Who I think once Rami tells us more about her, we'll all be like, oh, yeah, I recognize those movies. I recognize those things. But I did not even know this person's name before. So tell us more about this Nora Ephron character and, and why we need to talk about her today. So Nora Ephron is a writer, director. Um, she's very famous for reigniting the romantic comedy genre. So Shannon, let me ask you this question. What are your favorite? Do you even like? Let's start here. Do you even like romantic comedies? I mean, of course I like romantic comedies. Of course so, I like romantic comedies. So, what are your favorites? Uh, you're putting me on the spot. I think so. Like, I'm thinking about like the holiday or mm-hmm. um, you've recently gotten me rehooked on Notting Hill. Because that's yeah. one of your favorite comfort movies. And so I started watching that one a lot more again. Oh, God. This is like a black blast from A Knight's Tale, you know, yep. period piece Heath, Heath Ledger. Ledger back in the day. Some of those. They're, they're, they're nice. Yeah. My husband really likes Serendipity. I mean, he's not wrong. Serendipity is great. Okay. So the interesting thing is all the movies that we just discussed. My favorites are Notting Hill. Uh, I really like High Fidelity. Yes, Nate. Nate loves High Fidelity too. My husband. It's because it's it's because it's for dudes. Is it for dudes? Why is it for it's dudes? Because sure. it's like one of the only romantic comedies. Notting Hill is too. That's like really told from the male perspective. Oh yeah. And it's like very much like Notting Hill is like it's not a story about. Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts so much as it's a story about Hugh Grant like dealing with her coming near him yes and his friends being there yes that is a as really much great as it way. is like the romanticness of it yes that's a really great way of describing it so that's why I probably Nate and I both really like high fidelity, high fidelity. Uh, and then my third is probably when Harry met Sally which was written by Nora Ephron <laughs> so Nora Ephron, the book that I read that gets us here is I'll Have What She's Having, How Nora Ephron's Three Iconic Films Save the Romantic Comedy. So the three films they really go into in this book are When Harry Met Sally, which she wrote, Rob Reiner directed. She wrote and directed Sleepless in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then she also wrote and directed You've Got Mail. And there's other movies in there and after there. Uh, but those are really the three. The we can call them the Meg Mar- Ryan trilogy. Yeah, yeah. And because two of the three are Tom. Are Hanks. Tom Hanks? Yeah. And what's really funny is there's actually a Meg Ryan Tom Hanks romantic trilogy, which is Joe versus Volcano first. So if you swap out when Harry met Sally for Joe versus Volcano, you get there. But she has nothing to do with that. So yeah, it has nothing to do with this. Um, But what I think is really fascinating about Nora is she had always been a writer. Her parents were in movies, but she didn't write her first movie, which was Silkwood, 
uh, that Mike Nichols would direct. And, and we're going to talk about Mike Nichols on a future episode. Oh, which exciting. I'm so we, she didn't write her first movie until she was 42. She didn't write her next movie, which was based on a book that she had written. She wrote a book called Heartburn about her divorce from Carl Bernstein. Okay. She wrote a book about their divorce. She found him cheating on her when she was like six months pregnant. Oh. That's why it's called Heartburn, right? Because it gives you heartburn. Heartbreak, man. That also became a movie by Mike Nichols because they became friends. But her real big break, like neither of those two movies like did a whole lot, but her real big break was When Harry Met Sally. And that wasn't until she was 48. Wow. That's just provides such a refreshing, hopeful outlook on life. Like, oh my God, there's so much more I could do. She started at 48. With yes. Harry Met Sally. I mean, she started before that, but you know, like, but she, like, she actually struck at 48. And then yeah, how old sure. was I mean, she... the first two didn't didn't do anything, right? So people were yeah. still like, we don't know if we Who should let this... her even get another shot at this thing. Yeah. Wow. I mean, she was a very famous person. Like, she was a writer in lots of things, but she wasn't a movie writer, I guess you could say. Yeah. Let me jump back to this book. So I'll have what she's having. If you really like the gossip around movies, and specifically these three movies, you will like this book a lot. It's very much like a People magazine, like behind the behind the features, like giving mm. you all the the gossip of everything that happened as they made all three of these movies, and then scandalous bits. Yeah, and not even like real scandalous bits, but like the ones that you would want, like the I don't know, like the the, the donut the donut scandalous bits. But it's a delightful read if you have any intrigue in those three movies and just want to hear a lot about Meg Ryan and or Efron. Okay. So it's not Zach Efron's mom. <laughs> no, I Googled it. I couldn't figure out if they're related. She's definitely not his mom. Okay. <laughs> she, that would make her like 70 years older when she had Zach Efron. Oh yeah. That makes sense. I don't know. I have no clue old Zach Efron is. Okay. Moving on from Zach Efron. <laughs> So what I think is really interesting about Nora and something that we've never discussed is, so what, one thing that we have discussed a lot is making pivots throughout your career, right? Yes. Yep. Right. The, the Michelle Obama piece. And we've talked about it a few times is like, how do you, can, can you make pivots throughout your career? And yes. the answer for both of us is a resounding. Yes, of course we can. But what we haven't touched on is what's that second phase or that third like full career shift in your life, right? Because we've talked a lot about a lot of pivots and I think we've talked about making pivots early on, but we've never said anything about like, well, maybe your passion, maybe your break doesn't come until you're, you're halfway through life. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to highlight some people who fall into that same category as Nora Ephron. So, um, let me hit a few of them really quickly. Stan Lee, the guy who created a lot of Marvel. Oh, yeah. His first comic came out when he was 39. Wow. I wow. Mean, he was very old when he died, but 39. Yeah. Uh, Vera Wang, she didn't design anything until she was 40. Apparently, she was a skateboarder before that. Oh, my God. I did not know that. 
uh, Julia Child wrote yes. her first cookbook at 50. That one I knew because of the movie Julie and Julia, you know, that which got me was familiar with her. Also written and directed by Nora Ephron. Oh, my God. There you go. Wow. Uh, Betty White was 51 when she started acting. God, and look at the career she's had since then. Yeah. Wow. And then this one you'll like, Steve Krell. Uh-huh. 42 when he made his first big break on The Office. Really? Like, he is not young. I, I, I was going to say, like, he looked a lot younger than that. Or when I think about, like, his first movie break, I guess it was the 40-year-old version, but, like, he just looks younger than 42 in The Office for sure. Mm-hmm. And then this one, which I think is really interesting, is Laura Ingalls Wilder didn't publish her Little House books until she was 65. Wow. Wow. This is such a beacon of hope. Right. For, for anybody out there that's like, uh, okay, I don't love what I'm doing now, and I can still do something different, dang it. So, Shannon, let me ask you this question. You, I'm going to do a little advertising for Shannon, and then... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then ask some questions here. You do visions and values, and you do them on some regular cadence. Ish, yeah, when I feel like, Ish. which is usually two or three times a year. Two or three times a year, you open this up, you have a group of people come together, and you work on their visions, and you work on their values. Yes. And um, my wife has gone through this, so I know a little teeny bit about it. But at some point throughout this process, you have people figure out what their their values are and, and commit to those, or at least define those. Yes. And correct me when I'm off base here, because this is all tertiary <laughs> understanding of of seeing Deanna play with her little cards and put them in stacks and yeah. move them around on the table. It's where we're <clears> at <throat> this week in Values and Vision this week, yep. And then the other part of it is the visions. And so you're doing some sort of future look at yourself. Yes. How far ahead are we looking uh, they get to choose. It can range anywhere from like five years out to 20, 30 years out. It totally depends on what, depending on the visualization that I do, I mix it up a lot. But like, if it's like, a, a, sometimes you get in an elevator and you press the button, like, okay, I want to go up 20 years. What does that look like? I want to go up five years. So this is where my question comes. When we start to think about our future selves, I think about people like Julia Child, right? If she gets in that elevator at 30, I don't think she knows that at 50, she's going to come out and say, I love French cooking. This is my passion. My (laughs) husband has been moved to France and now I love it. I'm going to take cooking classes and prove all these like these angry French women that I can I can hang with them. Uh (laughs) And I find it so fascinating because I think. The, the work that you do is so good, but I think what's really hard is we, we can manifest these yeah. things for ourselves. And I, I think something like that is super beneficial if you know what the underlying passion is, right? If you're a Steve Carell or you're Betty White, you probably have been passionate about acting this whole time. You just haven't caught a break. Yes, and so you want to you you want to manifest that for yourself, right? Like I want. This is just fascinating because I have a totally different take on it. 
for me, like the future self meditation is not at all about manifestation. It's allowing yourself to be open to the possibilities of like what might come through that just totally surprises you. See, and that's what I was hoping you're going to say. So again, I don't know what I'm talking about here. So no, like you know what you're talking about, but like, it's just like, uh, what's going to come through? Like, cause I think oftentimes, so future self meditation, that part of us vision can go either way for folks. Some folks like people either love it or they're like, well, like I can't do this. Um, and I think where it's most beneficial is if like, you can just go in with like a super open mind and be just surprised. And the other thing I would say is, is personally for me, whenever I do future self meditations, I never get like these very specific visuals that I am now Julia Childs <laughs> cooking in some French kitchen. It's more of like what I would call like a, a frequency or like, you know, like, like a feelings or sensations um, to latch on to about your future self. Like, oh, I don't know, like in my latest one, I was like leading a retreat at a retreat center. And I was just like long haired, wild woman, raggedy, whatever, growing a garden, you know? And so what's the frequency of that? Oh, she's really peaceful and tranquil. And how can I tune into that versus making it mean anything about like, okay, I need to go find this retreat center and lead some retreats there. Okay, cool. So it's more about understanding like the the tone and the the, vibe. the frequency and the vibe of of what you will be at that point rather than like I'm specifically this person doing this thing. Yes. So, I think that's interesting because you said there's two types of people for this, right? Like there's people who can do this type of envisioning and then people who like can't i'm very much a can't right like yeah. if i get it if i get in that frame of mind i i don't see i don't see rami in six months let alone see rami <laughs> any time past that yes and, and i think that's what's so interesting is and I, i'm gonna keep hitting on julia child because i think she's such a great example is she wasn't really doing any cooking prior to becoming who she was when she did all of this uh-huh. and I just I'm so fascinated by the idea that we can find new passions as our life progresses and you and I have both found passions throughout life that can cause us to do like a full pivot on our on our lives which I think is so fascinating Yes. Like literally in my last future self meditation, I already said it, but like I was growing a garden. Rami, I haven't grown a garden in 10 years. Guess what I'm doing this summer? What? Growing a garden. <laughs> because it's it's just little things like that to tune in and be open to the possibility. Like I don't freaking know if this is going to mean anything or go anywhere, but it's fun for now. And so just like letting it be here and not resisting it and also not um, obsessing about it either. So here's my question. How do we know when, and maybe there's no, there's no, there's no definitive here, but I think it's, it's something for us to kind of punch around is how do we know it's the right time to like really fully invest ourselves in that passion project? Hmm. Like you're taking the first step, right? Like you are, mm-hmm. you're making a garden. So let's just go down this garden path. Yep. Because some gardens do have paths. So <laughs> your first step is to just have, I'm assuming, a amateur garden. Totally. But that may progress, right? Like you may say, oh, I really like growing these, um, 
I don't know what what what, what, what kind of things are you growing? We're growing beans, peas, tomatoes, and some flowers this year. That's it. So let's say you grow your tomatoes and they're really good tomatoes. You give them to some people and they're like, wow, Shannon, I've never had a tomato this juicy and firm. Yeah. The it's not it's not as meaty as <laughs> some of those tomatoes you buy. It's perfect. Yes. Uh and so you get encouraged, you have fun with it. So then next year you go, well, maybe maybe I dedicate a fourth of my garden to tomatoes and I submit some of my tomatoes to the state fair for one of those lovely blue ribbons. (laughs) Do you think it's, do you think it's minor successes that would push you along that path and, and, and just the feeling of succeeding? Uh, Potentially, but, but also, and also I would take a very different approach in terms of like, that's a very out, what I call outside in approach. Like, Oh, people like this. Let me do more of this because people like it. I'm more into the inside out. Like, okay, do I like it? Is this fun for me? Do I want to grow a bigger garden next year? Oh, next year, do we want to move the garden to Agripona Farm? Do I want to move the garden out to the farm so I have more space for my garden? Cool, that would be fun. Oh, maybe the next year, do I want to offer CSA shares to my five of my closest friends? Oh, that would be fun. You know, and just tuning in, like, does this actually feel good in my body and in my being to want to keep moving down? I think we've said before what my friend says, the sparkly breadcrumb trail that is your life versus... Because I, I agree with you. I don't think Julia Child woke up one morning and was like, I'm going to be a French chef. I mean, don't we see that's that good, arc in the... a pretty good impression of Julia Child. Yeah. <laughs> don't we see the arc in the movie itself of like, she just tries a cooking class, you know? And then it leads to a next thing. And then it leads to a next thing and a next thing and a next thing. And I, that's, that's my new approach to life is like, okay, I'm just going to take a cooking class and... I'm going to just start this garden and see what wants to happen with it versus making it need to mean something right now. I like that. I like the idea that the suggestion and the the push here is try things. Yeah. Just keep always trying things. Be always open to trying things. Yes. And when things stick, you'll know. Yes. And yes. when you're like empowered and you feel driven by them and you feel motivated by them and they give you energy yes you'll know right but i think the big thing is just keep trying things because you you don't know right like you don't know that you're not vera wang because you haven't tried to design something yes so try and design something draw paint do do all sorts of things take uh, a coding class do a, like a after work business class, if that's something that could be interesting to you. Yeah. But like you don't know, you don't know that you haven't hit a passion yet that could very much pivot where your life goes. Well, and in my story about Nora Ephron in my head, I don't know, you know, the true story is like, that's probably how she led her life. Like, so she had some movies, she had Silkwood or whatever that didn't really do much. She probably just really freaking liked writing movies. And so she just kept going, you know, and like mm-hmm. didn't really worry too much about how Silkwood was critically received. And then look, huh, Harry Met Sally comes along, you know, like you just never know. And I don't know. That's where I just won't ever. I, sh- I shouldn't say I won't ever. I'm sure my ego gets in the way sometimes. And I do things still that are externally motivated by like, oh, they liked my tomatoes. I should grow more tomatoes. <laughs> but just as much as we can, let's just steer away from that. That's just not a path to happiness in my experience. No. Okay. 
that's all I've got. So I want to wrap it up and say this. I think life can be as planned as we want it to be, but we have to know it won't turn out that way. And I think the best chance we have at success is letting the opportunities that come up and our passions that we find along the way define the path that we go down and where we end up. So maybe you will be a designer at 40, an actor at 42 or 51, a cookbook writer and personality at 50, or like our good friend Nora Ephron, become a successful screenwriter and director at age 48. I think after a certain point, your passions become too strong to suppress and maybe, just maybe, you have to give in to them. Yeah. And being okay with where that journey does or does not lead. We might exactly. not all be Nora Ephron's, but can no. you enjoy the process? But can you can have a closet your- of paintings that no one will want to take from you. Yes. And you can just keep painting. Yes. And keep trying to give people those paintings. Yes. Or keep growing your beefsteak tomatoes, whether they get any blue ribbons tomatoes. at the fair or not. If you like it, flip and do it. Hopefully your family also likes it. I mean, yeah, hopefully. Cause that'd you be can a have lot a lot of, of tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you'd like to add to this conversation, Rami? No, let's wrap it up. Okay. Well, with that, um, we'd love for you to connect with us on, I was going to say Netflix. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> on, on Instagram. Maybe someday. Well, maybe that was my future self coming in. <laughs> Rami, yeah, maybe like someday that. we're going to be on Insta- on Netflix. We'd love for you to connect with us on Instagram. And tell us, like, where are your passions pointing you to right now? What might you be doing at 50 if we just follow the sparkly breadcrumb trail of your passions right now? With that, I've been Shannon. I've been Rami, and this has been Workplace Hugs. <laughs> <laughs>